0: All right, football fans, welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Around. I am your host, Jeff Hartman. Joining me as always, Coach KT Smith. Coach, what's up? Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, I want you to know, Jeff, since you've called me a Scrooge on several occasions, (laughs) that when we got home from Christmas uh, last night from our families that we all watched Elf together.
0: So there you go. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) That's great. That's fantastic. I I love to hear it. I I don't know that you're a Scrooge. I, I honestly don't. Uh, people that might be like, oh, Jeff knows, I don't know that uh, he could be, the, 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 <laughs> he sent me a picture of wearing like a Santa Claus shirt at school. So, Hey, you gotta have some type of Christmas, uh, Christmas in you to, to wear something like that in a public setting. So good on you coach. You had a good Christmas though. Yeah, it was great. Yep. Saw a bunch of
1: family, saw some uh, people I haven't seen in a, in a while, and uh, ate too much, all the usual, you know.
0: <laughs> and you got to see some shocking football, at least in my opinion, you did on Christmas Day. Let's get this show off. We talk about the hot topics around the NFL, and to me, the, I, I can't get this out of my mind. It was Christmas Day. It's the first game of the triple header on Christmas Day, and it's the, the Kansas City Chiefs lose at home with a chance to clinch the AFC West to the Las Vegas Raiders. The chiefs lost at home to the Raiders and are now nine and six. They don't look good. They, they don't look well coached. They don't look buttoned up as they used to always say. Uh Are they just not good enough to win it all this year? Or what is your take on the chiefs? Like they're it's, it looks discombobulated. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, if four, I
1: lost four out of their last six and the, the body language is bad a lot of complaining going on, you know, Mahomes a couple of weeks ago against the, the Bills, you know, crying to Josh Allen of all people oh, yeah. <laughs> at midfield <laughs> after the game about the referees calls. And uh, it, it's a bad look, you know, yesterday there was a camera caught Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, not getting in, into it on the sideline, but Reid having to sort of pep talk Kelsey over there. And, and that's just very un-Chiefs-like. They've always been an operation that feels as though all of the details have been, you know, all those boxes have been checked. The offense clearly isn't the same. The defense is playing pretty well, but the offense isn't the same. They they've obviously uh, lacked some weapons. They've gotten rid of a lot of their 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 best skilled players. But I think I think they miss Eric Biennemi more than than people have talked about. I, I think that uh, he was a really good uh, scheme guy, and and while he wasn't the play caller, I think that uh, he did a really nice job of creating deception and mismatches in that offense. And obviously without some of the guys to make those mismatches, you can't get it there, but, but they, they probably miss him a little bit more. So the pieces that have departed are, are making a difference right now.
0: I don't want to stray too far from this game. Cause I do want to talk about this game, but let me ask you this. Do you think that if there was ever anything in the national football league that would slow down this unbelievably rapid ascension of quarterback contracts it might be watching some of these teams like the Kansas city chiefs who have really brought up the Brinks truck for Patrick Mahomes, rightfully so the dude's done nothing but win since he's become the starting quarterback and say, like, look at what's happening. They can't keep some of these players. They have to make decisions like, yeah, we'll get rid of Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey is, is he's coming to the end of his career. He's already talking about how the physical abuse is maybe not worth it anymore. It, it This is something that has to be a concern. And then when you look at someone like Joe Flacco coming from nowhere, we'll talk about him. I'm sure later in the show, what do you think about the quarterback position? How they're these huge contracts. Do you think this might be like the way that it kind of settles a little bit? Or do you think this is just a rocket ship that has no way of stopping?
1: Well, yeah, I know. You know, one of the topics we're going to get into is the number of quarterbacks that have started the last couple of years. And that is a compelling argument against the massive contract but <laughs> i never feel i never feel like people are going to be in their right mind when it comes to the money i feel as though if you if you took a, a star quarterback and you made that sort of reasonable argument like hey look you really aren't worth this money because of the trends that we're seeing in the league that somebody else would come along right some david tepper kind of guy yeah. and be like oh well I'll give you the money because I have it to burn, and and if it's going to lure you away from whomever you're with for a, a, even a two year window, that gives us a chance to to win a Super Bowl. I'll do it. So, so I'm not. I, I intellectually, I think your argument is spot on. Emotionally and
0: practically, I I I just see the numbers just continuing to climb. You're going to have to have quarterbacks. I hate saying this because I can't stand the guy, Tom Brady. Okay, now Tom Brady said, I'll take less to make sure that the Patriots can continue to get the players they need to win. Now we're not going to get into how the TB twelve money had had money funneled in through the back door and Tom Brady was still getting paid. I'm not getting into all that. But still, you need to have a quarterback that almost has that approach saying, like, look, I don't need the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract. I'll take a little bit less, I'll take a little bit less here, there, and whatever. And that way we can still pay the receivers. I need to throw to interesting conversation that we'll probably have a lot over the offseason. but let's get back to the game at hand. This didn't even look like the chiefs that we know them as we know them as this high power offense. They're going to move the ball down the field. Patrick Mahomes is going to do this crazy machine work with escaping and eluding the pass rush and making plays down the field. The dude was turning it over like crazy. At one point they had two defensive touchdowns in the matter of like two minutes. And a pick six at that, Patrick Mahomes was verbally frustrated, verbally, I guess, yeah, outwardly frustrated on the sideline. Travis Kelsey throwing his helmet, like you mentioned. What is going on with this team? I, I, I think that it's more than just you lose your offensive coordinator. You don't have all the pieces together. To me, it seems like there's more to it. You agree or disagree?
1: Yeah, it feels that way. Uh, they're, they're not handling the adversity the way that you would like to see a veteran team handle it. Uh, it feels as though they have gotten to a point now where maybe there's a lack, a little bit less chemistry than there was, and and that you know is, is causing them to come apart at the seams a little bit. Mahomes, I'm not going to make any judgments about him uh as an individual because he's obviously one of the poster children of the league, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, but. It, this really is when you consider his rise, this really is the first time he's had to handle significant adversity where he hasn't had it sort of all trending in the right direction and and he hasn't exactly aced the test so far. that's what I'm that's thinking. interesting right I mean like where where you know he he almost needs a moment where he kind of like I don't want to say a growing up moment, but he needs a moment where he steps into the big boy shoes and sort of is the guy to bring this together and so far he hasn't shown himself capable of doing that.
0: I mean, that's, you hit the nail on the head. This is the first sign of turmoil for him in his career, if you're being honest with yourself. I mean, he's had moments in games where he had to rise up and make a play but where things are going really bad. And it's looking like for the first time ever, he's going to have to play a playoff game away from Arrowhead Stadium. And my next question is, do you think they can win a game in the postseason? Because they'll make the playoffs. Do you think they'll win a game away from home the way that they're currently trending heading into week 17?
1: I'm not betting against the Chiefs. It's hard to bet against the Chiefs, right? But the current what what the, the Chiefs team that we've seen the last few weeks that team is not ready to go on the road and win a playoff game unless they unless they somehow you know maybe they're going to draw I don't know they're going to go to Indianapolis or something like that whatever that might be but but if they got to go to Miami if they got to go to Baltimore right if they got to do battle with one of the better teams in the AFC this is not a a, a Chiefs team that's going to win that game.
0: No, I agree 100%. Let's move on. Let's talk about the team that is atop the AFC right now. That is the Baltimore Ravens coming off of a huge win on Monday Night Football Christmas night over the San Francisco 49ers. They they caused four interceptions of Brock Purdy, and he looked confused like crazy. Some might say this was a downward trend for the 49ers, kind of a welcome back to reality moment. Some I might say this was a rise-up moment for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to give some props to our boy Pez, who had a perfect record this week, college and NFL, and he predicted the Ravens getting six points on the road. He said, take the Ravens. So shout-out to Pez's Picks. Go check out that podcast uh, by searching Pez's Picks. But Did this result change any of your opinion of either team in either way? Uh, a
1: little bit, for sure. I mean, I think, one, it, it puts an end to the uh Brock Purdy for MVP campaign which I was never <laughs> I was never a buyer in that one you know we talked about that a little bit last week now I'm not taking anything away from purdy i think he's he's doing a great job but that's a that's a San Francisco team that that's certainly more than than Brock Purdy um i think that what what you saw on on monday night was was the ravens bring a physical brand of football to San Francisco that the 49ers haven't seen a whole lot of. I mean, Patrick Queen said it himself. I think his exact quote was, we play a brand of football that people don't want to play. And I I just, the physicality of Baltimore and the speed at which they were playing uh, and the attack mentality that they had was just something I don't think the 49ers were, were used to. And I think the Ravens were pissed off. They were five and a half point underdogs. I think they took that a little bit personally. They didn't see themselves as that. Uh, and I think that San Francisco, for, if, if you if you still believe in the 49ers, which you should, I still believe that, you know, the 49ers are clearly one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. This was, this was probably a great thing because this was sort of a, they got, they got punched in the mouth and lost in the way that you least like to lose a football game. You got physically beat up and, and that will, will, will prepare them, I believe for the playoffs. And if they meet up again, Against Baltimore in the Super Bowl, they'll obviously have a better idea of what's coming. So, so while I think it, it looked great for the Ravens and I and I give them a lot of credit, I think that that the lesson San Francisco learned from that game can be applied
0: down the road. What does it say to you, as a coach, that Lamar Jackson, in his career, has lost one game? I believe that's still intact, one game to an NFC opponent.
1: First of all, it tells me that that Baltimore is great for preparing for teams that that don't see them a lot, right? We, You and I are Steelers fans. Right. The Steelers have won like six out of the last eight against the Ravens, and yeah. they haven't always had the better team. But Pittsburgh-Baltimore, they know each other. They're used to each other. They, that style of play is something that they're familiar with. You take that style of play, the way the Ravens play the game, physical as hell on defense, and the challenge of defending Lamar Jackson on offense, and you match up against them once every 4 years or once every couple of years that's a tough ask the they, the ravens are a little bit different than just about every team in the nfl and unless you got a pretty good beat on what they want to do and how they want to do it they're going to be really tough
0: yeah to me like as a fan it kind of makes me think about more a global things like, man, is this to the AFC North as a division compared to everyone else, but not really. It's just the Baltimore Ravens. And when you think about under Greg Roman, how they ran the ball and how uh, it was just different. It, it they were going back when everyone else was throwing the ball. They were just running it for 230 plus yards a game, almost with Lamar Jackson. Not so much. Now, do you think that the Ravens are sometimes I feel like the Ravens have been fool's gold. I don't think that this year you agree or disagree.
1: Yeah, I, the big change that they made on offense is, as you mentioned, Greg Roman, right? He was really big on those heavy personnel groupings. And they based out of like 12, 21, 22. Those are the right. two tight end, two fullback sets. Uh, Todd Munkins spread it out. He's going back to them being an 11 personnel team with three wide receivers on the field. And by opening up the box, it's just made defending Lamar Jackson a nightmare. It, it, it's one, it's, it's it's allowed him to see the field better, less clutter in his face. And two, man, now you got with less guys in the box. It's it. He he sees a seam. He's gone. He's got he's got more freedom just to move around the field. And and you look at some of the plays he made on Monday night, where where he's just you know out of the pocket, and now it's over. You know, thirty yard run or or, or finding an open receiver. A couple of those touchdowns were him just doing Lamar Jackson things. I think that obviously the decision to open the field up has been really important for him.
0: I could talk about the Ravens because I'd, I'd love to get your take. Maybe we'll do this next week. I'd love to get your take on John Harbaugh's changing of coaches, how he departed with Greg Roman. And that wasn't after they were failures. He he, he cut ties with his coordinator, Wink Martindale, gone. And I'd love to get your take on that. We'll talk about it next week. We'll put that on the agenda for next week. And that's got to be a tough decision for a head coach. But what does that maybe equate to in terms of success? And this year we've seen the Ravens have had that success. But let's talk about the 49ers quickly. You thinking Brock Purdy's now dealing with another stinger? Uh, they got some. they banged up offensive linemen. They're kind of limping to the finish line. Boy, do they need that first round buy? You think they're still going to get it? Oh,
1: that's a great question. I I think I think um, that yes, I do. I, I think Dallas loses one of their last two. Uh, they've got you know a couple a couple you know challenging games ahead of them. San Francisco wins the tiebreaker over Philadelphia, so if it winds up being San Francisco and Philly, then the Niners get that buy. Uh, Detroit, you know, you still got to think about Detroit. I mean, they, they, maybe Detroit knocks off Dallas. They play this coming week. That would be really interesting to see. Uh, it, you know, if Detroit can go into Dallas and win. Yeah. But um, San Francisco, I believe, holds the tiebreaker. So if all three teams finish, uh, or, or if you, if it winds up being like San Francisco and 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 Philly or San Francisco Detroit at the top, then they're going to get it. Um, they but you're right, they need that buy big time. They need that buy to get healthy. They need that buy, I think just sort of to mentally kind of recover from what just happened to them. It'd be really interesting to see what happens with San Francisco this coming week because you you lose a game where you you physically get beat up, like they did against the Ravens, and you're a, you're a good football team, a prideful football team. Uh it, it's gonna be one of those sort of like, hey, how do they bounce back from that week? Does it get in their head a little bit or do they respond? by just blowing out their next opponent. So I think what we see from San Francisco this coming week
0: will be telling. Yeah, this wasn't a, you just lost this fluke game to P.J. Walker in Cleveland. This was a, you just got your doors blown off on national television. So we'll see how they bounce back. Let's go to the next topic. I can't believe this number. I I legitimately looked at this number when you sent me this topic. And I'm not going to fact check you here because I trust your math. Fifty-eight different starting quarterbacks in the NFL this season—the second most in NFL history. The record is sixty-six, and that was last year. What do you make of the turnover at the quarterback position the past two seasons? What's going on?
1: Yeah, so that's a graphic that they ran actually during the Steelers game. They, they said that Rudolph was the fifty-eighth guy, and then I looked up. I said, "Man, that's got to be the most ever." So I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Last year was was the sixty-six. And then, like when you, when you go down the list, like the the next highest is in the low fifties, and then it goes into the 40s, So it's not even particularly close. Yeah. So the last two years, uh, I think two things are are responsible. One, a lot, you know, like we've talked about previously on this show, some of the the Hall of Fame stalwart quarterbacks that were with their franchises for a decade or better the the Rivers, Roethlisberger, Manning, Brady, Ryan, Core that those guys have all moved on. And now you got all these these new guys in their place, and and many of those young guys have not been ready for prime time. Guys getting benched because of bad play, and then obviously the injuries factor. The injuries have been insane, really. Like y'all look at the Giants. They you get Daniel Jones hurt, you replace him with Tommy DeVito. He's a good story for a couple of weeks, but then he's terrible, and he gets benched. And now Tyrod Taylor's in there, and it's, how many teams that are on their third quarter? The Steelers are on their third quarterback. The Browns are on their fourth quarterback. You can go right down the list. Uh, the combination of injury and poor play has just over the last two years been devastating.
0: Yeah, it, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm mentally going through these teams that have had three, sometimes four quarterbacks. I mean, you go out to Arizona with Joshua Dobbs. People forget he started that season. He started was a starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Then they went to some no-name dude. I don't even know who the heck he was. He played for like a week before Kyler Murray came back. And then you go to Minnesota. And like you said, like they've been through the gambit with injuries and Kirk cousins goes down and they're bounced. Joshua Dobbs again. Like, I feel like that's the, the ongoing theme is where is Joshua Dobbs now. And after Nick Mullins duck at the end of that game, do you see that throw by the way? Yeah. All right. They got a fourth guy. He might, he, maybe it'll be the fourth guy. I don't know. Oh I don't know. Maybe God. duck. No, that, is, would, is, is, that would is, be uh, the fifth. That would be the fifth uh, guy because you had Kirk cousins. You had someone else before Joshua Dobbs came in to start. He left with a concussion. I don't even know the dude's name. And then you're right, you're Dobbs. right. That's when they had to
1: teach Dobbs the signals yes. on the
0: sideline. You're Dobbs right. Mullins. That would be their fifth quarterback if they went with someone else. That's crazy. I don't think that'll happen, but that would be crazy. Let's talk about someone you just mentioned, Joe Flacco. We have, we've talked about we've talked about this guy way more than we should, but yet you have to <laughs> because he's not just winning football games. He's the fourth quarterback. And he's winning games with the Browns and he's doing it in a fashion that he looks comfortable and it looks like Amari Cooper loves the guy. I mean, it looks like they've played together for 10 years. He's he, it kind of made me laugh because Baltimore never gave Joe Flacco a really good wide receiver. When he was with the Ravens, he had some Torrey Smith. You could even say like, uh, what was it? Jimmy Smith at the end of his career or uh Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Smith senior at the end of his career. You could maybe say those guys, but never someone like Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper is phenomenal. And uh, he's getting the job done. The team's 10 and five. And even though they've had a ton of key injuries, they're still in the mix and they're going to make the playoffs unless they completely fold and all this other crazy stuff happens. They're going to make the playoffs. Do you think the Browns are legitimate contenders in the AFC?
1: Well, first, Flacco's Flacco's thrown for over 1,300 yards in four games. Yeah, that feels like that's like nine games of passing for the Steelers. You know, like <laughs> he's got three, he's got three uh, seventy four, and three sixty eight. His last three weeks for a guy who uh, who was like literally unemployed in the NFL a month ago. That's really amazing. You mentioned his connection with Cooper, right? He, Cooper's been gushing about him. I, I I think Kevin Stefanski's doing a heck of a job uh being able to adapt whomever is that quarterback to what what Cleveland wants to do. I think the Browns are scary. T- I don't know, you know, you look at the AFC right now. And obviously the Ravens appear to be the class of the conference, but the team that if you you know, if you kind of had to say who don't you want to play in the playoffs uh in the first round anyway, it would probably be Cleveland. I mean, Buffalo's kind of in re- in a resurgence right now, but they had to eke out a win this past weekend. They didn't look great, and uh, the Browns are gaining momentum. And the thing that makes the Browns, I think, interesting is that they continue to overcome adversity. Right? You take another key player out of the lineup, they find a way. And those find a way teams, to me, are dangerous because they believe that locker room's tight you know, you kind of build on that momentum of overcoming adversity and now it becomes sort of like your your mantra, your your, your badge of, of honor. Yeah, throw us, another, throw us another challenge. We'll overcome that too. I think those teams are scary. And so for me, I don't know if I'm ready to call them a real contender, but I think that they could win. I, it, w- it would not stun me if they wound up like in the AFC championship game.
0: The only thing that's going to keep them from doing that is the fact that Flacco has also thrown seven interceptions in his time. Five in the last two weeks, three and two, respectively, in the last two weeks, he's turned it over. It thrown five interceptions, seven total since he's been the starting quarterback. He's getting bailed out by a defense, and he's getting bailed out by playing some opponents which don't really have the offense to take advantage of those turnovers. So When you think about the Texans, who did not have C.J. Stroud, the Chicago Bears, not a very good team. The Jaguars and Rams are okay, and they won those games respectively very close, but still, you look at these games and... I keep on saying like you can't turn it over that many times in the playoffs when these teams are all good. That's the only thing that has me hesitant about the Browns is that they are able to survive these turnovers. And I just don't know if that's going to happen in the postseason. Flacco is – kids, I don't think they don't say it anymore. They used to. You, you're a high school teacher. They say YOLO, right? You only live once. That's what Joe <laughs> Flacco is doing right now. He's getting in there and just chucking it deep. Let's, let's have some fun which is fun to watch. I've watched the Browns play the Texans, and it was an entertaining football game. They're moving the ball up and down the field. He's chucking it deep. Never my wildest dreams would I expect that to happen. But, Coach, you agree or disagree? Joe Flacco's got to learn to protect the ball a little bit better.
1: Well, First of all, Jeff, YOLO is so 2017. So come on. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> But, uh, no, 100%, 100%. Yeah, you're going to get away with it versus the mediocre competition. You're not going to get away with it. In a in a playoff game down in Miami, where you give Tua in that offense a couple extra possessions, yeah, obviously that recipe won't work. So uh, that's a good point, and and I'm sure Stefanski's in his ear about that because he he understands that can't be the recipe going forward. And
0: Joe Flacco is just I don't care what you say, Coach. I'm I'm hey I'm I'm playing with house money right now. I don't <laughs> care what you say. I'm getting paid like another years. South Jersey
1: guy. I got to stick up <laughs> for him, man. Are these South Jersey guys. Is he
0: South Jersey? He's he South is Jersey.
1: South Jersey. Audubon, New Jersey. Yep. Now, Tommy DeVito
0: is North Jersey. No, yes, and there's a big difference.
1: You you, you can see the difference uh, just by when they cut to his family.
0: You know, some people call New Jersey the armpit of the United States. I'm not one of those people, but I've heard it before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when I travel around the country, I have to apologize for being from New Jersey. People like I meet me, and they I say I'm from New Jersey, and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry." South
0: Jersey is a wonderful place. Damn it. I want to make that (laughs) distinction. There's two different new jerseys. There you go. I love it. All right, let's go to the last topic. The Dallas Cowboys, they lose another high profile game on the road. When they lose to the dolphins on Sunday in Miami, their road struggles continue playing against good competition on the road continues. And now Philadelphia, even though they barely squeak by the uh, giants on Christmas day, they're in the driver's seat in the NFC East, the Cowboys. I mean, They might not even get a single postseason home game. What what does this say about the narratives? And could you see Dallas going one and done in the postseason? And could that be the end of the Mike McCarthy era? Yeah, I think
1: if they go one and done, then Mike McCarthy's out. It would be hard to justify keeping him with another major postseason disappointment. All the hype that surrounds that team uh given you know it's just a couple weeks ago after they beat philadelphia people were talking about them as maybe the best team in the nfc the way it looks like right now unless the eagles stumble and philly's got uh arizona and the giants to close the season so that's not a, a tough ask for the eagles meanwhile dallas has got to beat detroit and then they go on the road to washington um if they if they can't if they don't win the division they're going to wind up on the road in the playoffs and that's probably going to take them to like Tampa Bay or maybe Atlanta whoever wins that bad South and and you you would you would think if Dallas goes to Tampa Bay in the in that wild card game and loses
0: I don't know how you keep Mike McCarthy man you agree Yeah if, if he loses to like a Tampa Bay yeah you're done he, he's he's going to be fired before he gets off the plane back to Fort Dallas Fort Worth. But if they make it to the NFC Championship game and lose, does he keep his job? Right. So that would mean that
1: they would then let like they're going to be the five seed if they don't win the division. They're going to play the four, which is going to be the NFC South team. And then the winner of that goes to the one seed. So yeah. if if they go out to San Francisco and they and they win that
0: game, then I think he keeps his job because yeah. that's a huge win. That's interesting. It's a huge ass too. It's a huge now, ask, yeah. Let's talk about the NFC East for a second. I mean, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, they have a pretty soft schedule remaining. I think they have Washington, and then they go to New York to finish up. Meanwhile, Dallas has a tough road. Uh, they have that game against the Lions coming up this week, which is huge. But Philadelphia didn't look good playing the Giants. I mean, it, I watched a good bit of that game, if not all of it. There were just some boneheaded mistakes made by Jalen Hurts, of all people, who's supposed to be a pretty analytical dude. Good above the neck. I, I'm not. I haven't been impressed with Philadelphia. You know, in the last four weeks, obviously they lost three games in a row. Wasn't impressed with them in the win against the Giants. Dallas is struggling. What's going on in the NFC East? How do you see that shaking out?
1: The locals are not pleased, Jeff. The locals nor are should not they ble- be? No, nor <laughs> no. should they be. We drove home on Christmas night from my brother-in-law's house, which uh, took us right through Philadelphia on our way back. And we, I listened to some talk radio. It was probably two hours after the game. Uh, whew, they, they were lighting <laughs> it up. The locals were lighting up the talk radio, man. They hate everybody right yeah. now. So yeah, Hertz is struggling. I mean, the pick six people were kind of getting on him for that pick six. I mean, that, I, you know, the receiver slipped coming out of his cut. I didn't think that that was a Jalen Hurts thing, but he hasn't played his best football. And Hertz made some comments last week to the media about his teammates, maybe not being as prepared as he thought that they were. And he didn't think that they were practicing as hard as they were. So that hints at maybe some inner turmoil. I mean, Philadelphia, they lost both their coordinators last offseason, and and they just don't look right. When you, when you look at the success Shane Steikens had in Indianapolis, you can get a, a pretty good feel for how valuable he was. Um, and I know that they're talking about Brian Johnson, that they're, they're O.C. as like a potential head coaching candidate elsewhere. You talk to the Philly fans, they want that guy fired. So the perception locally versus nationally about him is very, very different. But I agree that the Eagles even, you know, they got to get right before the playoffs. So they will be quickly out.
0: You look at Jalen Hurts one play that just kind of typified everything was his idiotic decision to scramble at the end of the first half, make an inward cut to stay in bounds instead of going out of bounds and and giving yourself a shot at the end zone or just to kick a field goal. He was saved by a penalty against the Giants on that play and they were able to kick a field goal. But then even look at the coaching staff. So yeah, Jalen Hurts makes that comment about like being committed but then they changed the defensive coordinator to Matt Patricia a couple of weeks ago. That kind of, I really feel like from a national perspective that kind of got swept under the rug. Is that a big deal or am I overreacting? That did feel like a little bit of like a panic move. Uh, unless it's way worse on
1: on the inside than, than yeah. we know that felt a little bit like uh, just reactionary. And obviously you want to try to avoid that stuff. AJ Brown last night wouldn't talk to the media. He pulled the whole Marshawn Lynch thing. I'm just here to go. I'm going to fine that whole thing. Um, yeah, you know, that guy's got that guy's got over a hundred. He's the first eagle in history to have over a hundred catches and he's sulking. And so what what's really going on in that locker room? That's an interesting question.
0: Yeah, like I said, they're not if you talk about trajectories. The Cowboys and the Eagles are heading in the same direction. It's they're not, they're not, their arrow is not trending upwards when it should be. And, like and the, and the
1: Niners got their butts kicked. So, Lions, baby, my son's <laughs> Lions. You <laughs> never know.
0: I don't know, man. There's something about Detroit. I watched that game. The fact they even let the Vikings come back into that game was just, I don't know. All right. So, let me and ask it, you real quick. Let me ask you real that, quick then. Sure.
1: The, the arrow's pointing down a little bit on Philly and Dallas. Sure. San Francisco just got clobbered. Yep, You don't believe in Detroit. So who is,
0: who is the favorite in the NFC? It's still the it's still San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if they're going to get the number one seed, which they have all the tiebreakers in the world. So if they get the number one seed and they get that rest, they're going to come back and they'll be fine.
1: Yeah, you know, th- they will be,
0: th- I have no problem with that, but I, everyone else. Yeah. I don't know. Let's finish it up with a player profile. Let's yeah. Let's finish this show the right way. Mason Rudolph, Rudolph <laughs> saved Christmas in Pittsburgh by leading a, Really fun, entertaining game, which is something Steeler fans can't say a lot about their favorite team in the last I don't know month. And they win thirty-four to eleven over the Cincinnati Bengals at Acrisure Stadium. You want to talk about Mace? What's up?
1: Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You said it was fun. That was a fun offense yeah. to watch. They they hit explosive plays. They they made exciting plays. And anybody who watched that game, any Steelers fan who watched that game is going to know what I'm about to reference. When the Steelers ran a jet sweep touchdown to Calvin Austin, the third. And on the play, running back Jalen Warren, absolute. I can't begin to tell you how, how fantastically he lit up Cincinnati's linebacker, literally lifted him off his feet and then pancaked him as he, as he was clearing the edge there. It was just one of those blocks where, as a fan, you know, you just kind of get up out of your seat when you watch it. Uh, so it was a game that Steelers fans should be excited about. It's a great sort of ma- redemption story for Mason Rudolph. I'd started a game in two and a half years. Most fans know him as the dude who got clobbered in the head by his own helmet from Miles yeah. Garrett. And he was an afterthought in Pittsburgh for a long time, and he went out and played the best football game by a Steeler quarterback maybe since Ben Roethlisberger's been there. So it just was uh, it was refreshing to see a guy who had sort of been written off take advantage of his
0: opportunity at a time when the Steelers needed that. I'm going to ask you a question. This is two Steeler fans talking right now. Do you think that Mason Rudolph has ever been given a fair shake with the Pittsburgh Steelers?
1: That's a great question. I think he, the circumstances that have surrounded him have always contained some sort of, issue that's maybe impeded his growth, whether it was Ben Roethlisberger, you know, not exactly embracing him to say the least, you know, being, being nothing resembling a mentor. Why did we waste a, a draft pick on that guy was basically right. his comment to, the the poor offensive coordinators that the Steelers have had, you know, he, being accused of being a racist by people, you know, uh, some of the stuff he put on his Instagram. Miles Garrett saying that the reason he clobbered him with the helmet was because Rudolph called him the N word. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that have caused people to either not like him, not doubt him, impede his progress. I don't think he's the answer going forward yeah. for the Steelers, but
0: at the same time, I, I I was happy to see him, you know, have a moment. Yeah. So let's, let's rewind the tape. 2018, he gets drafted, right? Ben makes those comments. Doesn't even dress a single game, his rookie year, 2019 week two, Ben goes down with an elbow injury. And then here comes Mason Rudolph and he looks pretty darn good until Earl Thomas almost kills him on the field. He gets a concussion, is knocked out. He's never the same after that concussion. When he comes back in, then you have the whole miles Garrett, Thursday night football issue. Ben comes back in 2020. The only times he plays, is when Ben couldn't play due to COVID protocols, he finds out what Friday night or Saturday morning that he's playing on Sunday, no time to prep or prepare. And that's it. Like that's literally been his career. I don't think he's ever they
1: didn't have a quarterback's coach for for, uh, his his rookie year. Yep.
0: My answer is that he's never gotten a fair shake. Not that he was going to be the next quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not saying that at all, but in terms of getting a fair shot at things, I don't think it has ever happened. So it was really awesome for me to watch Mason Rudolph, who really has never done anything wrong. He's never said that one thing. He's never gone on a radio show and said anything that even resembles controversial. And yet people hate him because the quarterback that's going to be in the Hall of Fame made some comments about him when he was drafted in the third round by the team in 2018. That's what it boils down to. And it sucks. So I was glad he got his moment. Maybe it's fleeting. Maybe it's only one week, but at least he got that one moment. That's all. I'm one, say. More,
1: one more quick question about Rudolph. If Rudolph plays really well the last two weeks, do the Steelers have a quarterback competition between him and Kenny Pickett
0: next year, or do you think Rudolph's gone? I think that the Steelers will try hard to keep him. I think Mitch Trubisky's gone. I yeah. think they're, they're going to cut ties with him, save some cap space, eat the dead cap hit. That's fine. So if Mitch Trubisky's gone, you need a quarterback too. You want a veteran who's capable. If he proves that he is capable, then yeah, you sign him. And you give him an opportunity to say, we're going to, I don't think they would ever say that they're going to have a competition like publicly, but I think they absolutely should. You should have a competition and see if he plays well. The question will be is, do you get an offensive coordinator that's built more towards like Kenny Pickett's style? I think that's the the tough part of all this. So that's a discussion for another show altogether, but Mason Rudolph plays well for the Steelers coach. Any other final thoughts about week 16 in the NFL?
1: No, well, week week sixteen continues to reinforce the fact that everything we think one week changes the next. Yeah, you you mentioned Pat. Pe- I got to give Pez uh, credit, man. Seven and zero in yep. this environment. He has seven and a week college in the pros, but in the pros, especially in this environment, you know that that's impressive because I don't know, I have no idea what's going to happen next week.
0: Seven and zero And Let's let's remind everyone. Let me get my notebook here. He took the big games this week. Like, some people are like, oh, he probably took like those cupcake games. with the No, like, this is all versus the spread. He took the Thursday night game, Saints and Rams. He took Browns, Texans, Lions, Vikings, Cowboys, Dolphins, Ravens, San Francisco. He's not shying away from like the marquee games here. Pez's picks. If you haven't listened yet, find Pez's picks anywhere you get your podcast by searching Pez's picks. And you'll find it every Thursday morning is when those go out live. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of bowl games to pick this week. It'll be a lot of fun. But uh, coach, what's coming up on the call sheet this week?
1: Yeah, you know, we actually uh, we have a theme this week, and the, and the theme is redemption. Where we are talking about redemption stories in the NFL in in 2023. There have been some really good ones. We just mentioned one with with Rudolph. There's several others, whether it's teams or individuals. So that's that's the major theme. And then we're also going to look at the impact of that Baltimore San Francisco game, and you know what it means for the league going forward.
0: Fantastic. Have any call sheet breakdowns coming up this week?
1: Yeah, man. A Mason Rudolph breakdown, and Ooh. and then uh, we're going to do a breakdown on how the Steelers defense really confused Jake Browning in Cincinnati. Uh, some of the some of the changes they made between the game this week and the one a month ago.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Coach, social media. How can they find you on Twitter? At uh, KT Smith FFSN. You can find me there it's as well at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. You can check out all of our work on the Steelers at the Steel Curtain Network. In the meantime, Coach, thanks for another week. We'll talk next week. Take it easy.